All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Friday was International Workers' Day, and here in the U.S., there were protests and calls to boycott certain businesses because of unfair and unsafe practices for workers. And it's probably no surprise to our next guests that one of the businesses targeted is owned by the richest man in the world. Concentration of wealth has consequences. And you can learn all about them in a new film, a follow-up to Thomas Piketty's book, Capital in the 21st Century, a weighty, economic, 700-page text that was a bestseller here in the state since 2014 after its initial publication in Piketty's home country of France. Piketty became something of a rock star economist, thanks to reviews like this one that called his work, quote, the most important economics book of the year, if not the decade. Now, director Justin Pemberton has created a companion film piece to the book. The documentary Capital in the 21st Century takes viewers through the economic, political, and social changes over the last 300 years in the U.S. and Europe that have been driven by capital in its various forms. The documentary is being released virtually on Kino Marquee Platform, and here in New York, you can watch it on Film Forum's virtual cinema, and I'm very pleased that it brings Tomas to the show. Tomas, welcome. Hello. And Justin, thank you. You're in New Zealand. You got up very early in the morning to be with us, so thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Good morning. (laughs) So, Justin, I can't think of too many economics books that have companion films. What was it that you wanted to take from Thomas' amazing 700-page book and translate to screen? What part of that? It was, I mean, to be to be frank, it's this idea that we are in danger of circling back to the 18th, 19th century levels of inequality. And when I read the book, you know, that, it, that was the one kind of big point that, that sort of terrified me because we always think of that, that, that you know, everything's going to get better for the next generation, um, that, that we're moving forward in some way. Um, and as simple as this idea is, it sort of suggests that actually, no, that's not true at all. And we just don't have a long enough view of history, which was what was so unique about Thomas's work. Um, our time horizons are so small because they're usually just our lives and maybe our parents and our children. Um, and when you zoom out, you get a different view. So I, I thought the idea of taking a, a you know, a, a God's view through time, um, following wealth over hundreds of years in a film was something I'd never seen before, and, and, and that kind of excited me because it seemed like a, a natural story to, to tell. Tomal, when you were approached about this film, what was the one thing that you knew the film had to address for your participation and for it to be successful? Well, you know, first of all, I, I should say that, you know, I am very grateful to Justin Pimberton for the work he did. And, you know, I was I was very confident from the beginning because I could see that, uh, you know, Justin has a genuine interest in the topic, had a very good uh, and deep understanding of my book and, and the matters. And so, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that, that he did this and, and that he has brought some of these ideas to the, to the screen. You know, I, I think this can reach, uh, you know, new group of people who might not 
to read the book. Although I should say that this is a very readable book, and you know my new book, Capital and Ideology, I think is also very readable, and you know it does not require any, any technical luggage. But of course, it takes a lot more time, you know, to and a lot more investment in a way. I mean, we have a lot of time with the lockdown these days, but still. <laughs> yes. Still, you know, a movie is a different kind of object. And, you know, I should add, I am my, myself a big fan of movies in general. You know, I go to movie theaters uh, uh, twice a week in Paris, or at least I used to do that a couple of weeks ago, and I hope I will be able to return in the, in the not-too-distant future. And, and seeing someone so talented uh, as Justin, you know, uh, interested in my work and trying to put it to the screen was very, um, you know, very emotional for me. And uh, I didn't think about such a possibility, of course, initially when I when I wrote my book. But uh, there, there were a couple of other proposals that came to our publishing company. But Justin's uh, proposal was, uh, you know, by far the most uh, convincing. And uh, I'm, I'm very glad we did it. So, Tomas, if you could just define for our audience, for people who have not read the book, when we say capital, when you say capital, when we talk about capital in this film, what are we talking about exactly? So we're talking about ownership. We're talking about ownership over companies, but also ownership over buildings. And, you know, we see today with the with COVID crisis, our ownership is important. You know, if you, if you, if you have a lockdown in a, a very large apartment, you know, it's not the same that if you have a lockdown in a very small apartment or if you are homeless. Uh, and, you know, the issue, for instance, of uh, rent freeze today, which is so important, you know, mm-hmm. for people who lost their jobs, lost their income. Uh, it can be uh, people, it can be businesses who cannot pay their rent anymore and who are about to be expelled in some cases. You know, this crisis illustrates how uh, property relation and relation about capital ownership need to be regulated. So, you know, private property, of course, can be a very useful uh, mechanism in order to coordinate individual actions. And, you know, I, I don't call for, uh, for state property uh, all everywhere. Uh, but, but I think private property needs to be regulated so that everybody can have access to, to private property and you don't have this kind of uh, enormous concentration of wealth and economic power that comes with it. Because in the end, this is a matter of power and in particular economic power. You know, can you stay in your home or are you going to be expelled? Can you start a business or are you going to go bankrupt? So this is really about life opportunities. And, uh, and you know, I think uh, Justin's movie shows that very well, that uh, the story of money and the story of inequality is, is primarily uh, a story about, uh, you know, conflict uh, and different life opportunities for different groups of people. In theory, we are all in favor of equal opportunities, but, you know, in practice, uh, uh, some are much more equal than others in terms of what kind of wealth they inherit. So, you know, if you inherit hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions, and some inherit millions, you know, you clearly don't have the same opportunity than the bottom half of the U.S. population today who has basically no wealth and, uh, you know, the share of the bottom 50% of the population in total U.S. Uh, wealth today is less than 2%. Uh, so basically, half of the population uh, has, has, uh, you know, doesn't own anything. And you know, sometimes they have a very large mortgage, which is very difficult to repay, especially in a, in a crisis like, uh, like, like this one. So the, mm-hmm. my, my work is really about the historical evolution 
of the distribution of wealth. So, you know, what was new in my research, I believe, was to collect a lot of historical data coming from various data sources, uh, uh, survey, uh, uh, inheritance, uh, fiscal data sources, going back to the French Revolution and the US Revolution and, and trying to map out how did this change over time and how did we actually become a more equal society because today's societies even though you know inequality has increased uh, since the 1980s 1990s are more equal than one century ago uh, and and this has been a huge progress and and you know this this march toward more equality uh, has come together with the march toward economic prosperity you know, in the long run the reduction of inequality has been a very successful uh, uh, process. It has come with more equal access to education and health, and we see today the importance of access to health. And, and this has improved over time, even though this is insufficient today, you know, particularly in countries like the US that don't have a, a universal uh, healthcare system. And, and this long run uh, movement toward equality has been interrupted in the 1980s, 1990s for a number of reasons, you know, the uh, Reagan in the United States, mm -hmm. so the fall of communism worldwide, you know, of course, has contributed to some form of disillusion about um, uh, changing the economic system in general, and, and this has reinforced the so, sometimes unlimited uh, faith in uh, self-regulated uh, markets and, and the, the fact that we can solve every problem with competition and, and private property, which is not true. We can solve a number of problems, but we need to regulate uh, these markets and the inequalities that come with it much more strongly than what we've done since uh, 1990. And, let me, and let me jump in here. I want to I want to bring yeah, Justin sorry. into the conversation. It's okay. My guest is economist Thomas Bickett-Day and director Justin Pemberton. We're talking about their new film, Capital in the 21st Century. It was, you know, Justin, listening to Thomas, it was, it was all so interesting. And I'm thinking to myself, you as a filmmaker, how do you, you know, wrap yourself around this? And one of the techniques you use quite effectively is by using popular culture. Did you well, always yeah, know that was going and, to be the case? Well, Thomas does that in, in, in essence in his book. Um, he uses literature. Um, uh, Jane Austen, for example, and Balzac, you know, we forget that Jane Austen was, you know, shockingly realist at the time when she wrote her books. You know, they, they very much were seen as, um, as, as a new kind of writing, somebody that was really telling a story that... Um, was documenting a particular lifestyle. And of course, Jane Austen's books are obsessed with money and wealth. So, he, I mean, when, when I read Capital in the 21st Century, every time Thomas started to tell me those stories, that's when I really kind of got what he was, what, what the points were. So pop culture, you know, is something that has told stories of wealth um, for hundreds of years, even before, um, even before the written word, you know, it was in songs. So I really thought that was going to be a great, great device um, to, to make the film accessible and, of course, entertaining as well. We have to do, you know, as Thomas said, we do the film in 100 minutes. Uh, the book, the audio book is 26 hours. So um, we need to do a lot of shorthand as well um, for a movie. Um, so I, I guess and the, the discipline was to choose pop culture from the era it was written. Um, so if it's a particular music track... Um, that we use. It is from the era 
Um, so if it's 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton, you know it is in the era in the film that, that she wrote it. And interestingly, we use Lord's Royals over the opening sequence, which came out the same year as Capital in the 21st Century. Mm. Um, so they, they, that's such a tight companion in itself, I think. Tomas, one of the things that's really interesting in the book, and many things, but I think it's about the idea of preservation of wealth and inherited wealth. And that that is a mechanism that continues to just keep the gap as wide as possible. Um, what could be done about changing inherited wealth? Is it all about, uh, you know, closing up trust loopholes and making sure that money comes back from offshore? What are some of the things that could be done? Yeah, well, you know, generally speaking, we, we, we have moved towards societies where there is a slightly greater circulation of wealth uh, today again than 100 years ago, but we, we need and we could go, go further. So how do you get wealth to be uh, uh, more mobile and to circulate mm -hmm. across individuals? Well, you know, there are different ways to do that. You know, competition policy breaking up large monopolies can be one way. But progressive taxation is, is also very efficient, you know, through progressive taxation of inheritance. Uh, but I think you cannot you cannot wait for inheritance to do something because, you know, typically, you know, take, uh, you know, if someone like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, accumulates huge wealth at age 30, you know, partly because he had good ideas, partly because he was lucky, you know, you're not going to wait until uh, he gets to age uh, 80 or 90 to uh, to make him contribute to the public finance uh, uh, of the country and to and to have some circulation of wealth you know the, the fact that you that you had uh, you know good ideas at the age of 30 doesn't mean does not imply that you should keep all the decision making power in a very large company uh, at age 50 at age 70 at age 90 so progressive taxation of wealth on an annual basis uh, can be a way, well, first, you know, to reduce the tax burden on all the people who are trying to access wealth, but who are now mostly uh, uh, mortgage payment, uh, relatively low wages, and, and who pay actually very large tax uh, indirectly when they go shopping, or uh, through a property tax, which can be very big, including on people who have actually very small net wealth because they are mostly uh, mortgage at this stage. So we, we could reduce the you know, tax burden and, you know, bottom 50% or bottom 70% of America that's, uh, that's trying to access property by having a more uh, a progressive uh, taxation uh, uh, at the top, which would also uh, help, you know, other workers. You know, there are lots, we live in very educated societies. And so lots of people have good ideas, you know, including uh, engineers or managers or workers in, uh, in Facebook or Microsoft or all sorts of companies who could contribute to decision uh, making uh, power. Another way to do that is through the legal system of corporate governance. Uh, so some countries like Sweden or Germany, you know, have been able to sort of counterbalance the, the power of shareholders by giving uh, voting rights to workers' representatives, you know, up to 50% of voting rights in the corporate boards of large corporations in Germany go to worker representatives. And it works pretty well. In the end, this is a way to involve more people in uh, economic decision making. And this increased participation of workers uh, in, in effect, you know, allows to involve 
uh, more people in the long run strategic uh, uh, choices that companies make and and you know all the evidence we have is that this actually is good not only in terms of equality but also in terms of overall uh, collective uh, efficiency my guests are economist Thomas Piketty and director Justin Pemberton. Their new documentary is Capital in the 21st Century. One thing, Justin, the book, the movie really gets to is that sort of the, the emotional part of, of this that can lead to nationalism and xenophobia and fear, fear fueling that and last, lock, last of, loss of money, lack of money leading to fear. What is it that you wanted to capture about that on screen? Well, I think in many ways what we're looking at is something that's a generational issue. Um, as wealth concentrates, it, social mobility declines. Um, the myth of the American meritocracy is is dying or has died potentially. Um, and and I think you know as a as people look for answers and feel frustrated. Um, as Thomas points out in the movie, politicians attempted to, you know, give them a, a target, which will be, which has historically been immigrants or outsiders of some mm. sort. Um, um, and, and that's um, a really great re- sort of deflection for people. We like to find somebody to put all the blame on, and particularly if it's somebody that feels less than us or someone that feels, you know, inferior. We don't often look above um and that's why people sort of are so happy to 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 vote in huge tax breaks for the wealthy because one day we're all going to be millionaires you know we're millionaires in waiting um i think someone says in the movie um so so we yeah uh, and that's that is the the scary part of um extreme inequality you know that's what led to you know some of the that's some of the things that led to world war one and led and has led to fascism after that as well. Um, so that's the, I guess that's the, that's the scary part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that and 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 as as the history has shown, there's only you know the ways out traditionally have been war or financial collapse um, or revolution, which doesn't always work. Um, so as you know, we don't, but we don't. We have the history now. We have the archive. We have a clearer story of what's gone before. Um, so hopefully there are lessons to be learned. And that, that's the goal, really, isn't it? That we don't actually have to go through this kind of destruction to change. That's, that's the kind of the message, ultimately, I think, that, that Thomas, too, wants, to, wants people to know, that there are alternatives Thomas, before I let you go, is there is there something about this particular moment which is, feels incredibly dire and is so difficult for so many people economically that could turn out to be, and I don't mean to be a Pollyanna or rose-colored glasses, but could turn out to make some sort of significant change when it comes to inequity? Is there something about this pandemic? Yeah, potentially, yes. But let, let me reinforce the point Justin just made. What the big message of this movie and of my book, my work, is that, you know, crises can only deliver what we make of them. So crises mm-hmm. in themselves, you know, can also lead to political monsters. And we've seen that, you know, during the first half of the 20th century in Europe, you know, ultimately World War I and World War II contributed to, to the post-World War II era with the social security system, the welfare state. But before getting there, 
you know, it led to, to, to you know, absolutely disastrous events, uh, partly because, you know, some political parties and movement, you know, tried to exploit, you know, this uh, strategy of hate, uh, you know, blaming others. And, and, you know, we are not in the same historical circumstances today, of course, but still we should be, you know, very, very concerned about that. And I, I should also mention that today, like a century ago, the question is how, you know, what's our alternative way of organizing globalization? Because, you know, if we start by saying there's only one economic policy and governments cannot do anything about taxation, redistribution, they don't control anything except controlling their borders, then you should not be surprised that the you know, political conflict is going to be more and more about border control and controlling national identities. So I think this rise of nationalism that, that we saw at the beginning of the 20th century that we see again today is largely the consequence of the fact that we have closed down the economic discussion and we have stopped thinking about, you know, a different economic system to reduce inequality, you know, irrespective of identity and ethnicity and, and foreign origin. And, and, and that's, that's what we need, you know, citizens and people, you know, to, to get more involved. And that's a big mm -hmm. message of this movie and book, you know, tech, economic issues and financial issues are not technical issues that should be left to a small group of experts. You know, these are political issues. These are not complicated issues. You know, I try to explain yes. in, my, in my book, everybody, you know, can, you don't need any technical luggage. You know, we are not doing uh, quantum uh, mechanics, you know, we are <laughs> social sciences. We can we can all understand it, is what you're saying. Everybody can understand, and, yes. and then everybody can become a more active citizen. The name of the movie is Capital in the 21st Century. I've been speaking with Thomas Piquetet and Justin Pemberton. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash Olivet or use code Olivet for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash Olivet.